consensus reality like following the rules learning how to be successful within those rules improving themselves like working towards the future becoming providers la 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 but there's this wormhole that you can go to and you can get to those top five floors where actually it's just the now and it's just fun and it's just magic And it's just enjoying and appreciating the range of experiences and textures of possibility of the moment. And that's actually more natural to what women's world is. And so you can try and come in like a high value man and you might get on the relationship ladder, you might get on the friendship ladder or something, but there's there's this magical wormhole that actually subverts all of that where you're just connecting with a woman as she is. You're just connecting and enjoying the experience that's happening right now. And that's game. Welcome back to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology, as well as all things spiritual and personal development. I have a riveting, captivating, erotic episode for you, a conversation with process worker, fellow evolutionary astrologer, and overall magical fellow Aries sun, Venus and Pisces woman, my friend Mariah Karina, about game the art of creating fun, flirtatious, romantic experiences with people you just met, and really a spirit of play and desire that can enchant your everyday life and existing relationships. This conversation became so much more than how to get the girl, how to get the guy. It was more like ascending a mountain peak kind of visionary chat that I'm truly proud to have on this podcast and humbled by. I see I have some new games to play, and I hope this conversation inspires and enlivens you and turns you on as much as it did for me. We also traverse topics like the fifth house and Leo and fifth house Pluto in specific, peacocking, the mating call behavior and psychology behind it, letting go of masking or fake performances, um, And that kind of side of these archetypes like Leo fifth house and bringing out the deeper base notes of play that are lower to the ground, closer to the soil, and more truly connected and ecstatic to be inside of, right? The irony here being that our fake performative behavior tends to literally mimic our soul desires. And when we can let go of the mask and drop into the deeper truth, it all gets to a deeper level of magic. We also touch lightly on Pluto and Aquarius at the end, this new 20-year transit ahead of us that I've spoken about on this podcast a bit, where we didn't get into this particularly, but there's like dystopic things we might imagine with Pluto and Aquarius. There's a full range. There's good, bad things, etc. about any transit. But things like people having AI girlfriends could be a thing, you know? So, or certainly the capacity for like a lot of groupthink 
And the shadow and the necessary integration of that Pluto and Aquarius transit will be Leo, our connection to the fun, the play, the theater, the romance. In fact, romanticism became a genre of art during the last Pluto and Aquarius transit as a response to the doling force of industrialism. So for the years ahead of us, knowing how to really have fun from the deepest core center of ourselves and from our real desire is going to be really important. And this necessarily intersects with eros and sexuality. So before we get into this episode, I want to announce that I am taking on new students for my evolutionary astrology intensive beginning this spring for a new cohort. I teach you the fundamentals, like all the building blocks to understand natal charts from a whole perspective of the soul's ongoing life-to-life, multi-lifetime journey, and like where you are now in this epic that you have been living out for a bit. So I'm helping you speak the language of astrology. But you can see from this podcast, if you're a regular listener, just how far and wide these astrological ideas can take us once we have that enchanted worldview and this magical map as a base. I'm teaching you how to read charts, how to understand astrology from a soul-centered perspective, how to be in ever-expanding dialogue with all of the archetypes, how to really map them for yourself, how to enter the animistic cosmos where the universe is directly talking to you, because that happens when you study astrology. But we also travel far together which is why I've created a year-long program diviner that now houses the four-month evolutionary astrology intensive. Diviner is a place with new, live, niche, deep-dive workshops and classes year-round to travel to all these new places we can go to when we speak this language, when we can expand and play in our practice. I'm also currently taking on mentees for longer-term coaching, There's an option to do this alongside the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive and Diviner. These mentorships are ongoing conversations that deepen each week and often have us in trance journeys, alchemizing parts of self, breaking up stagnant patterns, and visioning into what's organically emerging for you. With your natal chart as a guide that we unpack together and see at work in your current activations, desires, and processes in your life. You know, it's like in a one-time reading, we get to do like a big overview, but as someone who lives side by side with her chart, you know, and I know my colleagues and my people who speak astrology, it's like we live with our charts all the time. And so as I've been studying astrology and constantly integrating it with other modalities and being a perpetual student, teacher, being coached, coaching, Um, I really love the process-oriented approach where we relate to our chart over time and in the field of our life. So I'll be sharing more about all of this here, the intensive and ways to work with me, but you can find the link to the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive with many student testimonials and the application in the notes. I get on calls with applicants that are a fit, so I look forward to talking to you about class and about your learning desires. You can also email me sabrina at monarchastrology.com to set up a free conversation about mentorship with me to explore your desire to work together. Each time the intensive runs, right, which is now part of the bigger community diviner, but each new cohort that is its own 
cohort experience through the four-month intensive, each one that assembles is such a magic crew. I know my people here, you, are deep, reflective, magical people. And the live cohort learning experience where everyone shares their questions, stories, and insights facilitates not just an amazing communal learning experience where such a profound caliber of people gather, but also this really beautiful conversation with the universe itself, this unique, personal, mythic conversation with the universe. Astrologers don't just learn how to read charts. We are philosophers who study the natural world and speak the secret language of the sky. We see the as above, so below maxim playing out in the most awe-inspiring of ways. So I'm calling you forth for this groundbreaking, sky-opening, truly life-changing experience. Check out the link in the notes for the intensive and send me an email, sabrina at monarchastrology.com if you have any particular questions um, or you want to talk to me about mentorship and working together one-on-one for a longer period of time. And now I'll leave you with this gem of an episode with Mariah Karina. this podcast um that podcast changed my life that was a big like personal realization that you guided me through um about the party motif in my life about how you are the party (laughs) yeah that helps me I was like I always dream of parties never did I think that I was the party did not internalize that one that's you baby (laughs) so you just um had a really cool experience when you told me about it I was super lit up. I've been thinking about it since. I was like, I really want to talk about it on the podcast. So maybe if we hear it from you, um, what was this magical experience recently? I've been thinking about it too. It's been almost a month now and I am still buzzing with aliveness about it. I think um, you pointed out very accurately that I have a fifth house, Pluto and Scorpio. And that fifth house Pluto and Scorpio has been active my whole life. I've always been interested in polarity, sex, intimacy, relationships. Like I was definitely that weird kid. And about, I think it might have been 10 years ago, um, I read this book. I was actually at an Airbnb in Hawaii with my parents and I read this book called The Game by Neil Strauss, which is about penetrating the secret world of pickup artists. And this guy did sort of a participant observer ethnographic study about this emerging scene where there were these really peacocky, fifth housey dudes who were out there on the ground in the clubs teaching men how to pick up women. And I became fascinated. And then years later, um, I was studying uh, a kind of somatic psychology called process work, process-oriented psychology, and just got into Reiki and stuff and was in some dreamy late-night YouTube haze. And I saw this guy, Elliot Hulse, um, who was doing this exercise with men where he would have them get up in front of the room and he noticed that all of their energy was stuck in their throats. And he was having them kind of move through that energy by speaking and making them stand in these kind of like core power poses to move through it. And there was this guy there helping him out who was connecting this somatic work that they were doing back to their ability to be able to go out and pick up women. And his name was Owen Cook, who is actually in the book 
known as Tyler Durden. They all had these sort of different names, right? There was one guy named Mystery because he was always like doing magic with women. And this guy was Tyler Durden because he was sort of like from Fight Club coming in from some totally different paradigm that people didn't understand and having these amazing results. So then, 10 years ago or whatever it was, I started following this guy, Owen Cook, on YouTube religiously and have been watching his videos ever since. And he teaches men how to pick up women. And he does live events all over the country and he does these boot camps where you actually go in person for multiple days with him and his team. You do seminars during the day and then you go out and hit the field at night and you do something called day game where you go out during the day um, and you know pick up women at farmers markets. So it's always been on my bucket list and this guy is transitioning out of doing this. He has you know been doing it for 20 years, has bigger fish to fry, wants to move on to some deeper spiritual transcendent message that he is going on. So he's like, if you wanna do boot camp, now's the time. And it was my time. And I went <laughs> and I did it. And I swear if he's doing any other boot camps this year, I'm gonna go and do them because it was magical and life-changing and so much more than the videos. It's one thing to take in information, but these boot camps, you are actually like out there in the field putting this stuff into practice. It gets in your body and your energy channels in a totally different way. And for me, just being there, I was the only girl with 40 guys and then this team of coaches. And even just that felt like sort of being um, like a lamb in the wolf's den or something. <laughs> Like even just being able to have that experience was one very intimidating, but on the other hand was something I have always wanted. I've always wanted yeah, to be how a did fly. people perceive you in that environment? They were so sweet. They were so sweet and welcoming and supportive. And in general, pickup has a really bad rap for being yeah. yeah, manipulative and fucked up and skeezy and me too-ish and non-consensual or whatever. Um, and I understand that there are some pickup corners of the scene that are like that, but this man, his team, the way they do it, and these guys touch my heart so deeply. Everything about it um, was like so heartfelt and earnest. And there were these guys there. There was like a 25-year-old guy from India who had never been kissed. There was a 30-year-old version. There were these men you know, fresh out of divorces, trying to get back into the scene again. Um, and they were so sweet and welcoming of me. And I just got to be a fly on the wall of these men doing their self-development work. So why game? And yeah, we can, what is game? Why game? Um, so, and I guess we can also disclaim that this we're talking about like men and women male female dynamics there's kind of like different corners of like the queer theory world or like the polarity kind of straight like world and we're working with this very masculine feminine dynamic in this conversation totally and i think both of us have both of those discourses really strong within totally. us we have like the queer lens i can't, i was raised by lesbians i grew up in queer culture activist revolutionary almost got into postmodern social theory so i'm very my thesis actually in an anthropology was about queering social justice so i both think both of us have that lens really strong but me even coming from that i'm identified as a woman I'm very attracted to 
men to masculinity and I just find it really um, refreshing and even a turn on just to be able to be like men, women, masculine, feminine and to talk about things in those ways I also think helps boil down and simplify and clarify elements of polarity. Definitely, yeah, I relate to that. Okay, so also just because polarity and understanding charge, eros, eroticism, attraction is one of the main um, draws of my life, I really want to lay down why game is because it deals with this fundamental teaching about what actually creates attraction that I think is very useful. So maybe if you'll permit me, I can kind of give a very quick and dirty rundown of my interpretation of Owen's understanding of what polarity is. Yes, yeah. Okay. So I think part of it is that women, we largely live in this man's world, right? Like Meryl Streep has that quote, she's like, women speak men, men don't speak women. And society in general is super masculine. And so that means that we're constantly in this very logical, goal-driven, linear, um, materially based, like uh, striving to attain certain things so that we can achieve certain things kind of a world, right? Something very dry about it. Um, And that now all of the sort of teachings that are out there about how to produce polarity for men is this idea that you become a high value man. Maybe you've heard this, right? This is really popular in spiritual communities and red pill places and like all over the place. It's like, be a high value man, right? Which is like, what do you do to be a high value man? If we were just going to guess. Um, well, I think it goes beyond income or making money. It's like something about like having integrity and being good with your word. And maybe also like knowing how to create the soft life for a woman so that she can like relax into your leadership and feel taken care of and feel like she's enjoying herself in the relationship. But this is just me like off the cuff. I didn't think about it. Totally. 100%. I think it has those two sides to it where I think one, it kind of has that boy world thing where you like work on your business and you get jacked and you have a plan and you crush your goals and you have a strong purpose. Um, And then it also has this relational dynamic where, yeah, you're a holder and you're a container and you, like, are able to support a woman. Um, And I think there's a side to that that is true. I think women really want containment, right? We have a lot of feelings, a lot of experiences. And if a man is capable of doing that containment in a positive way, it allows us to emotionally self-regulate or emotionally regulate in that presence. Um, but I think that's only half the story. First of all... Yeah, we didn't talk about sex either. So. <laughs> I would say, like, creating high-quality sexual experiences. Like yes. That, yeah. yeah, now we're getting into some juiciness. <laughs> <laughs> because because um, I think what you can feel and what we're saying about this, like, high-value man thing is it has more of that sort of masculine arrow-like energy where you're like tr- trying to achieve goals and you're trying to be the certain thing. Now, I have like a in Hungry Ghosts of Paradise, the novel that I shared on this podcast, yes. there's this one scene where the character, who's me obviously because it's an autobiographical novel, mm-hmm. is just like 
having this day where my email was filling up with money, like people were buying things for me. And it was after I'd had this massive, expansive sexual experience. And I was like, I don't need a man to provide for me. I need a man whose kundalini awakens and inspires mine. Like that is the inheritance. That is what I want. Like I've never been like a gold digger type. (laughs) Like it's just a strange word to use for it. It's like, I'm not looking for a man to provide for me in that way. Like that hasn't been my focus. I'm, you know, a businesswoman, whatever. Like that'd be great. I'd love that, but it's not a thing that I hunger for. It's a man whose like sexuality I feel deeply held by or like expanded into by. And I was like, that's actually what turns me on. And I just like yes. felt that at a young age of like, I'm not necessarily looking for a man to like take care of me financially, but sexually, yes. take care of me in that way that's the thing so part (laughs) of this polarity teaching is men the reason why boy world is like that is because men worship goals purpose it's why they care about material possessions right because it's about achieving these things whereas women worship state we worship state and that means like even if you think about being this receptive thing it's about we want this like range of experience the state of ecstasy being in enjoyment like yeah like when i'm thinking like reminiscing of the best times you know it's like going back into those states or like how can I create that magic again like we do worship yes yes and um we like like even that really stupid stereotypical thing where it's like men like action movies they like like this team of people uniting to achieve a thing to win the thing whereas like women we want drama and comedy and romance we want like all the we want the whole rainbow of all these different experiences like this one thing I think is so funny it's like Owen tells a story where it's like you ever had a girlfriend and she's talking to her friend on the phone who's going through a bad breakup she gets off the phone she's like baby I gotta go see how Jessica is she's having such a hard time and she'll like grab the champagne and she'll grab like some edibles and she'll grab like a fuzzy blanket and she'll be leaving (laughs) with this little gleam in her eye like you're so excited to just go feel something with your friend you're like something is happening right an experience is happening and we open we come we become receptive to that so women speak men men don't speak women right so I think when we meet these guys who are these high-value men who we can see having a long-term relationship with we will put them on that ladder right we'll be like oh this is a sensible choice for a long-term mate right there's might be real compatibility there real genuine attraction but it's accessing that logical part of our mind it's almost like if you think about it like there's a really tall tower right And all of the sort of the bottom, you know, 95 floors of this tower are all people living in consensus reality, like following the rules, learning how to be successful within those rules, improving themselves, like working towards the future, becoming providers, la la la. But there's this wormhole that you can go to and you can get to those top five floors where actually it's just the now and it's just fun and it's just magic and it's just enjoying and appreciating the range of experiences and textures of possibility of the moment and that's actually more natural to what women's world is and so you can try and come in like a high value man and you might get on the relationship ladder you might get on the friendship ladder or something but there's there's this magical wormhole that actually subverts all of that where you're just connecting with a woman as she is. You're just connecting and enjoying the experience that's happening right now. And that's game. That's what game is. 
because also all of this work that men do to be a high value man and I think I know a lot of guys like this or it's like I'll be good enough when I make enough money I'll be good enough when I'm in shape enough I'll be good enough when I have my purpose clear about what I'm contributing to the world all the time when they're working on building those skills they're not actually building the skills of connecting with a woman of actually feeling into her energy of actually facilitating those energy experiences that you're talking about and that's what you learn when you do game that's what you learn when you go out that's what you learn when you actually connect in the moment i'm captivated yes and like the crazy thing is that um, in order for men to do this, to do what they call cold approach, right? And I saw these 40 guys like trying to talk to, you know, all kinds of people, right? Because you can't just talk to solo women. You have to talk to be able to talk to men. You have to be able to talk to mixed groups. You have to be able to talk to a man and a woman standing together. You can't be half a gangster with this shit, you know? <laughs> you have to like actually be able to be flowing in the moment, not making all these calculations about what's going to lead you to your goal. And I saw these men, they had to do it. It was like the codes to liberation was inside these moments. Because to actually be able to do that, you have to, you're taking such massive action that you have to face your insecurity, your rejection sensitivity, you have to get in your body, you actually have to self-amuse, right? Like, what do I think is fun? What do I think is funny? You have to get in these incredible flow states. You have to deal with um, all of the sort of, I think, tendencies to create a hierarchy of where you are in the dominance hierarchy and what women you can talk to and what women you can't talk to, which I think also, even to be in this stream, you have to liberate yourself from this tremendous amount of groupthink about who you are and about what you're supposed to be doing. It's like these men, in order to be able to do that, they have to go through this transformational wormhole themselves. That's so interesting, actually, like getting rid of that hierarchy lens because you do find couples that maybe don't appear immediately like they make sense from that perspective. And one of them or both of them have this kind of magical thing going on where they just have this kind of audacity or playfulness or, yeah, Yes. There are a few things that I love. One is like total engagement and total detachment. Like you're supposed to just go in there, go into the moment and totally engage, right? Follow what you think is fun or interesting or um, all of that while also being totally detached from the outcome. Because fun, fun is this great leveling source. You know, I think women were able to play this game, but it leaves us feeling Um, bored and full of intense existential despair. I think one thing me and you have bonded on is sort of looking around at consensus reality and feeling bored, not just like, yawn, I'm bored, but bored with like this existential panic of like, this can't be all there is to life. There has to be more than this. I think we have it in ourselves, this knowledge that there is magic in the world. And so while we might be going through the motions of consensus reality, it's like there's this plea, this like heart call for <laughs> some magic person. Like, magic yes. person, please save me. Save me from no. this drudgery. Take me to magic land where cannot, all the people are magical. I cannot even tell you there was this moment where I was on Wachuma and just like having a conversation with the spirits, with the land. 
and it showed me that I was like basically out yelling out to the world like I'm not having enough fun like that my call was like someone come save me with your fun and it was the Wachuma was like kind of low-key being like stop doing that like you need to create the fun inside of yourself because this codependent fun thing you're doing in is calling in some strange characters you know like you're calling it in you're like I'm not having fun like (laughs) I've been doing a lot actually to like embody the call and like be in like I did a a meditation an Akashic meditation some months back that was really powerful where I just asked like what if this thing this energy that I really covet in men that I've had the you know high romances with what if like what is that energy as it lives inside of me if I don't externalize it onto the other and it felt like this really powerful like bass um kind of like at a concert the bass like frequency of just this like fun fifth house leo energy and it almost felt taboo to me to like embody that level of eros and play on a daily basis and as soon as i embodied that i like that day or the next day or something i was in that frequency because i was practicing sitting in it and i like met someone at the grocery store and went on a date with him like I was in the frequency and I felt like the world grid inside of it and I felt the man in the room that saw me in that frequency and leveled with me there and it was like cool we'll go on a date and it just happened exactly it was really you know so as I like play with that it's just been showing me these different like wormholes of play in my life Mm -hmm. um but yeah, it's been super important to me. I have Chiron in the fifth, so it's yeah. still, you know, those like heavy, heavy hitting planets in the fifth house, like have these deep explorations of like what play is. And also how to be the play instead of needing to be saved by someone who's able to be the play. Right. I wanted to ask you, like, what was the the kind of big think behind the pickup art in this case? Because I know there's like a deeper spiritual social kind of cosmology behind it and that it happens to go into the category too of like how to pick up women but like why is that there what's the deeper the big thing around what like why this teacher is teaching this what it taps into at a bigger level not that this isn't important in of itself but I remember you were telling me something about like what social ills this solves etc like you know what I'm talking about I, I think so yeah I mean I think part of it um I guess just to reflect that for a second before we go and I will go there is just on the fun and about how important that is I was in that vibe of like I was just there to have fun I was like engaging in arrows and because I was going out too in the field you know and uh, 99% of the guys who came up to me they were drawn to my energy because I was embodying the fun but they couldn't get out of their frame and 99% of men were just like where are you from? come here often? which is such a cliche and it's so surprising to me that men are still saying that but it's they really have nothing else they really don't know anything else um, but I think and the other thing about the fun is Whenever I've talked to women and we sit around and we all share the best sex of our lives, we all share the guy we can't stop thinking about, it's always someone who embodies this archetype of this interject that we're talking about. It's always some dude who lived in his van, 
who like lived on the beach in Hawaii <laughs> who just like came in who was free from this sort of you know rigmarole that we're talking about yeah 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 this trickster this like yeah because there's something tantric I've realized actually that the fifth house like tantra sexuality play um to be able to play in reality is really similar to the game of romance with a person Mm -hmm. like that thing that brings us to life with other people like that energy in life itself is to live creatively yes um to romance life like they are really yeah so that archetype of the person you know and that's actually been there's a conflict there for me or there has been of like the difference between that state and then a conventional like put together life totally and this desire this deep you know it's like I feel like having a career as an astrologer is one way that I've worked to reconcile that of like I go to work I am a practical person but I do something that's actually really fun to me but it's Mm -hmm. like how do you create a stable relationship or like when you're someone who works a lot on psychology and like depth healing and shadow work but you still want to just have a fun creative life in all the ways and be able to enter into that present tantric circuit yeah. I do think there's capacity for integration there, but I think even what you're talking about describes the two different modes of that tower metaphor I tried to use, right? Like on the one hand, you want this sort of like more ladder linear, you know, thing. But on the other hand, if someone comes in and can pull you there, it's just so magnetic. And yeah, how do we integrate that into our own lives? Because I think part of it for me, and then this goes into why I think this is important, is... Um, you know, someone made a joke that, like, uh, also, some of the guys who are the best at game are, like, these 5'8", you know, kind of dumb dummies or whatever who are just, like, yeah, surfing and eating tacos on the beach. And I think it's maybe because women already don't put them on that ladder of someone who they would want to be with long-term. So they're more open to that receptive of fun. And there are a lot of guys who are kind of complaining about this when I normally talk about game. They're like, yeah, men, like, women just like assholes at the end of the day. Or like someone was like, oh, women just want like, they, they, you talk to them forever. You're a good guy. You take them to a classy dinner and then they like, you know, just go suck the dick of the guy with face tattoos who won't wear a condom. And Owen was like, all of game can be boiled down to like seeming like a kind of guy who doesn't wear a condom. Like he's like, you want to be that guy with the face tattoos. <laughs> With the energy of the face tattoo, who seems like he doesn't wear a condom. I don't know. Even for me, I understand what he's saying. Because I don't think it's actually... Like, I too feel like, yes, I would be... I am attracted to the kind of guy who seems like he doesn't wear a condom a little bit. Because I think it's not that we want... Are attracted to assholes. I think we want a man who's unconditioned. Who's unmatrixed, in a way. It's in... Yeah. Simultaneous to wanting this man who's, like, super successful within... The structures that be it's interesting actually like I just value this is like a Saturn Uranus conversation like Jeffrey Wolf Green who created evolutionary astrology will talk about like part of working with Saturn and Uranus is like con- conforming as much as you need to but being as free as possible yes I really yeah yeah and to be clear what they were teaching game is like yeah handle your business make your money be a person of integrity (laughs) definitely wear a condom (laughs) oh it actually said multiple times to men like wear a condom (laughs) because you do not want to get any cds you don't want to get anyone pregnant something about this too is that when like 
I'm kind of playing with an experience in my life right now of opening up to fun in ways where I noticed actually that older versions of myself would cling on to security. Like fun was actually really vulnerable for me, like similar to falling in love or something where it's like wanting the security of like, oh, what is this? Are we together kind of thing? But like opening to the tantra of a state of fun and feeling like I'm free falling without like every time I'm looking for something to grip or hold on to, I just relax and open and keep the free falling going. And I'm like Mm. melting my face and my ego off in this like process. Fuck yeah. Um, But I'm basically like in that consciously of like, it will shape into something eventually, but I'm opening to exploration and play in my life right now and letting that take me somewhere as opposed to cutting that short because I'm trying to logically fit everything into a particular mental trajectory. Totally. And just to bring this back to attraction, I think um, part of why I've cut off fun and why I've cut off a lot of those experiences, even being as interested in sexuality and pleasure as I am, is because um, I think there's something that seems so much safer about doing these explorations within the container of a committed relationship and a man who loves me. It's like, oh, if I have that security, then we can be Uranian and weird and wild and try all the taboos. And obviously I think there's something good there. I think there's something valuable to caring for safety. But for me, I noticed there was this real, there's like an interject in my mind. There's like a program in my mind that I've noticed in a lot of other women too that's kind of going like, don't release too much. And especially around sex and sexuality is doing something like, don't fuck, don't be a whore, don't fuck, don't be a whore. And it might be stronger for me than in other women. I had like a pretty intense slut-shaming experience, a lot of slut-shaming experiences for like the tiniest little things, sort of like in a way that I think can only be karmic because of just the intensity of what came at me for the reality of what happened multiple times during my most formative years. So I think I have that interject stronger than other women. I think other women are more open. But for me, there's been something um, hyper vigilant in terms of needing that safety and assurance that someone loves me and is committed to me to really then be able to open and release down. And the power that has come in when a man can be fun and create a space of non-judgment for me that actually turns down the volume on that mental program means that I've actually gotten to experience my own sexuality in that space. And then he gets to experience my sexuality too, which is such a tremendous gift for him. Um, So I do think there's something in terms of what I'm integrating in terms of this game is overcoming my own damsel programming of needing to be saved or needing to have this man do it for me of needing a man to turn on the volume on my like fear essentially of taking responsibility for my own safety of deciding kind of what experiences I want based on the information I'm getting on the moment and yeah how to get out of um that boredom because I think yes like part of what I mean by this unconditioned man is part like intersects with a man who's going to save me from the mundane 
and take me to magic land. And just, yeah, really learning how to be empowered in that for myself. Yeah, this has been something I've been dismantling a lot too, like the similar kind of pattern. Um, and also just finding my own call internally as opposed to waiting for someone to appear that makes it okay to have that call like I've been practicing being in the call first and seeing who responds to it Mm -hmm. and being in that like holding of my desire energetically and going down the wormhole or the rabbit hole of it and it's been actually it ends like if I feel like I'm in some kind of drought or desert land and it's like where is the love like where's the man like it's been (laughs) it's been so long you know and I'm like waiting for him to appear as this external like being but when I tap into like the actual energetic call or desire um, and hold it in the process of navigating the world or talking to different people he appears it's really Mm fascinating and it shows me it like turns this thing on its head where it's like I need him to do it first I need him to show up I need him to court me when actually I'm way more turned on by being in my desire and feeling someone respond to my desire and penetrate it and be part of it and keep relating to my desire as opposed to someone who's trying to like woo me from a state of me not even being turned on. Mm-hmm. Like I love being responded to in my turn on. So there yeah. was something about realizing like, oh, I am leading in that way. I like to be led in other ways too, or be part of a dance, but like my desire is initiates things. Mm-hmm. And that's been really significant to realize. Yeah. There's this polarity thing I was trying to put together in my head based on what I was observing at this boot camp. And it's sounds silly but it's like yin leads yang leads yin so um like there's this way I do think in which we can observe that is sold to us that men make the reality and women live inside it right like men whatever the masculine builds the house and the woman makes it a home and I do think that is part of what was happening what they were training these men to do I just have to say I was so fucking inspired by these men like part of what they were learning to do is be expressive in how they talked. We did all these exercises where they were just adding expressiveness, fast, slow, loud, soft, excited, sad to their voices. And I'd never fully realized before how monotone most men talk. These men got up there, they were talking so monotone. And because my attention was on it, I was like, oh wow, I hear it. And I feel like so much of life is like that. It's like we've normalized this monotony you know and it was only with being with these men who were trying to break out of that I was like right 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 there's another thing where it was like don't ask questions don't ask questions so instead you have to come up with a different way to approach a woman so you can say a statement you can say like you're eastern european aren't you or you can do a game right you can like put out a hand start doing a thumb war one two three four I declare a thumb war you can put out a hand and give her a little twirl Like, just like play, you know, engage these other channels other than this logical, mental, verbal channel of experience. They did another one where it's like, create moments. Like, be like, we have to go look at the Christmas tree outside. And then like, arm and see if she links arms with you because it's less intimate than hand-holding. You know, it's like more like of a soft approach. Be like, let's look at the Christmas tree. And then like, oh my God, the lights of the Christmas tree. And then like, let's do a silly dance around the Christmas tree. And I'm a little Christmas tree. And even just the act of going, like being like, oh, like create a mission that needs to be accomplished by going from one end of the 
place where you are to the other end of the place. Like, and then you're not just a man and a woman having this dry conversation. You're two people on an adventure, like sharing a journey, your tribe now, your kin, <laughs> your partners in adventure time. Um, so it was just like really amazing to watch that. Tell me more of what what you learned, like what they had you do. Um, so what they had me do was totally different. I think just to finish what I was saying is like, as they were saying, like men create the, the world, the reality that women live within, you know? So if you're creating the reality of like, we're two people having this dry conversation, she'll respond. Like one guy was like, I take girls out to fancy dinners and then nothing happens afterwards. And Owen was like, yeah, you're creating this classy movie where you're having this classy, fancy dinner on a date that's going to be in this relationship escalator, she's in that movie now. She might give you a classy little peck on the cheek and wait for a classy call two days later. Like, she's responding to the movie you're creating. If you're like, ooh, we're having this, like, magical moment at the Christmas tree, then she's in the magical moment at the Christmas tree, right? She's feeling, bringing that presence. But I think the deeper part of it is, like, actually, additionally, the man is seeing the signals from the woman. I think you know yeah, this so well. No. Like a good I, yeah. dom, the feminine is leading, right? You're creating an experience that you're picking up. The man should create an experience that he's picking up from the woman is like natural to the moment, natural to where energy yeah. is that then expands and radiates yes. and fulfills it. <laughs> I literally had this experience of getting like a sound healing um, and it was amazing. It was life-changing. But this spirit came to me and guided me through the whole sound healing. Wow. And it was showing me um, basically like the threads of insecurity around my desire where it was like you're handing over your desire to men and yes. being like, will you hold this? Like, will you hold me kind of thing? And that it's a little bit, it's a lot that you're handing them and then they drop it and you feel totally abandoned. Next time, like there's nothing wrong with what you want the spirits like guiding me next time hold yourself name your desire own your desire and men will be happy to give it to you and then it showed me like what to write on a dating profile like it like gave me a dating profile download and things have gone well like we'll just say wow. so <laughs> it was like I had this vision yeah but it was like a spirit and it was showing me that like when you are asking to be taken care of in this way that you've been doing that's the invitation you're creating everything yes. is an invitation so like that's part of you leading from your like inner child hold her hold that part of you be more like self-secure basically but it was interesting because it's like it wasn't just a behavior modification it's like it was a deeper cellular yes download yes. and I see it all the time now of just like even if I'm you know, I'm wanting something in my day or like, and then projecting it onto a person of like, they're going to provide whatever for me and just be like, actually, no, I can have, I can have the experience I'm looking for and we can be met. We can like dance in it, but I'm not going to hand it over and then be like, all like scared. Are you, you know? Yes. And I think that's the difference between like, you know, what Perry might call like the mature feminine and the immature feminine is I think the immature feminine stops at men create the reality and women live within it. Right. Perry, I think she describes that um, as the 
damsel consciousness is part of why men create the world that exactly. women live in because women created this invitation of like I can't do it will you take care of me you know best and save me like yeah. what we were talking about in our inner childs that grew up in we're in man world we're in a reality that men have created we're living this movie of the patriarchy and like the call out there of like save me from this mundane hell like take me to magic land is just asking for yeah another man to create a different movie as opposed to I think the mature feminine like you all that you've been sharing about reclaiming that for yourself of owning your own magic of owning your own power and of being like my desire is going to lead and then finding a man who's receptive to pick up those cues and to create based on those cues to again facilitate your energetic experience of opening that then brings him like all this love and magic and presence yeah, that he doesn't all that's get. That's overflow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's that shift that they were helping me do because the first night I went out, I think it was clear I was very good at flirting. I'm very good at making small talks and connection and bantering and even escalating things like putting a hand on a shoulder, smooth like butter, like that's not a problem. But what they told me is I was doing it by entering a man's movie as kind of like a manic pixie dream girl in a way of being like, you're amazing. We're connecting so much. I'm having such a good time. And they're like, no, you need, you're holding the frame. Like you, people respond to the strongest frame basically around that's what you see in politics like whoever is the strongest frame wins for like such a fifth house pluto thing too because really? i, yeah, I think How it's so? the power of the movie the film yeah. the lens, and that i see like one of the things i'll say about fifth house pluto is i think that at a soul level they can have a naturally strong sense of where the movie is going like they're a really strong directive consciousness mm-hmm. and that when the movie is off that there's like a slight disassociation or fuzziness for fifth house Pluto people of like this isn't the film like you know and they can feel that versus when it's like the film that they're excited about everything's like technicolor and they're like generous and magnanimous and so that idea of like the strongest frame wins feels like such a Pluto in the fifth house and what I noticed is this is fifth house because then I would mask Right, it was there was a subtle masking to it, and I think this in general, just with the slut shaming stuff and that program in my mind, is I think there's always a part of me that's scanning a man for safety and scanning him for his judgments and what kind of woman he would want and what kind of woman he would be attracted to, and in my more immature feminine, then there's like a masking and a modulating into that version, which I think is in my case at least partly fear based and security based. Because, and this feels very fifth house for me, being loved and adored is fused with safety. So if I'm loved, I'm safe. And so there's almost, yeah, like this hypervigilant scanning of someone that then will create this mask unconsciously that I'm not even aware of. And it's taken, you know, my entire, it's my entire life's work to recognize that that's happening, that it's kind of like being this weird pathological actor with my whole being and then having to dismantle that on all the layers of consciousness and that was happening with these guys like I would enter into their movie and they're like no you have to hold the frame like I'm the prize right and then there was a few times every single night actually some guy got intensely obsessed with me 
and was like, we're having this profound soul connection and I've never felt this way before. And it would come from me doing like a joke, like one guy did a joke that I'm like, let's be trees and do a breathing exercise. And I saw his eyes change color and come into focus, like the aperture of his pupils started doing these like crazy wiggling things and his whole aura started shaking and he's like, oh my God, like he became totally overwhelmed and obsessed with me. And um, that happened every single night. <laughs> okay, then that was Pluto. <laughs> and it was like for just from playing around. And the coaches were like, this is what happens. Like you're experiencing, you were playing and self-amusing. And that's what happens a lot when men do this with women. Like this man responded to me similarly, where he was like, take me to magic land. But then I, in seeing how into me he was, got, I think, scared. And my logical brain turned on. And then I went submissive. And then I got into his movie and I started playing this role where I was like, oh, you seem to want like a deep and authentic connection. He started opening up to me about just how tender it was to feel this much. I was like, oh, you seem to want a deep, authentic connection and I'm just trying to have a playful night and da da da. And afterwards, the coach like pulled me away and went tisk tisk tisk. You <laughs> did reject him. And actually they had me rejecting guys, right? That's the original thing about this. They had me set a timer for five minutes and then I would set the timer, put it in my pocket, go to a guy and I had to hit on him um, and then reject him within five minutes because they're like, you, I, that was a growing place for me, right? I wasn't good at rejecting men. And so I kept feeling sort of like, um, what's that word? Like disempowered by some guy being into me and then I would have to like lovingly people please they read fawn fawnily like exit the situation they're like no reject men and so I was like I rejected this guy who was so into me and they're like but you rejected him in his movie you entered his movie to reject him as opposed to keeping your frame keeping your own movie so that was one of the things I worked on and it just made me realize how much that's happening all the time so what why stay in your own frame? Like, I feel like I have rationale and visions and whatnot behind it, but yeah, I'd love to hear from you. I, you. You start, and I'll jam. So I think there's something about the feminine, like what I've really learned a lot from Perry, too, is like the desire is leading. Like, the feminine is open, receptive. There's a way that spirit is like moving through us and speaking to us in our deepest desires. And so as we open to our desire, we're basically being like infused by the universe. Like we're receptive to some unfolding, some growth that's happening. And that inviting someone else into that story is a really compelling, meaningful way to be a woman, as opposed to shutting that story down and trying to fit into the story of someone else to be loved right and just like that game like that game ends up you know being so sacrificial and martyr like sometimes the love evaporates and it's like I've worked so hard to be so valuable to you as opposed to I think like when I am in the meditation of being in my own desire it leads me to make sober or serious decisions too like not every decision is perfect it's not just whimsical pleasure all the time sometimes the desire is complex or confronting 
or something. And if the desire, I've played around with the rejection part too, because I could ghost, like I'd be much more comfortable ghosting than explaining to someone or even just saying no. And I've been practicing lately rejection um, and noticing how uncomfortable it is, but there's a desire behind it of like, I'm trying to learn this. I'm trying to create clarity in my field. I do have the desire to communicate this because I'm, I'm done with the ghosting pattern. And so when I have desire to be connected with someone or to express my affection or to invite someone, when I follow those cues, it is the most enlivening, vulnerable, real experience that I get to have. It doesn't always guarantee that I get what I want or that it works out, but more often than not, like the deeper, lower to the ground, truer the desire is, the more magnetic, immediate, magical the results are. And I just feel like not disempowered in that space. I've been learning how to just hold the depth of those feelings and to be cultivating that desire and answering to it without trying to play all these games to kind of like manipulate or control my environment to be okay. Like what it's like just to live from that desire and step back and receive inside of it. Exactly. I loved what you said. So much of what I've learned about desire is there are obviously the desires that come from our mind and from our ego and from these ideas that we have about what we want life to be. But so much about desire is actually surrendering to the actual energy coming through us. It's surrendering to the truth of what we're drawn to, of what our, like wants to happen through us. And to me, if you're holding your frame, you're holding your frame for that to come through, to be able to hear those subtle whispers and to like, what is that that you're allowing to come through? To me, it feels like it's like divine. It's greater than you. Something greater than us is coming through. And that's where all of our magic is. That's where all of the current of the trajectory of, I think, this balanced choreography. And I think maybe there's even, you know, like the power of the great turning, the power of paradigm shifting, the power of liberation on every level, like personal, interpersonal, societal, world, the energy, the spirit, the sacred itself is trying to come through us. And to me, this is the most precious place of personal work because so many of the desires that I think we carry as women come from our mind. They come, especially around sexuality and intimacy, they come from this idea of what we want and this idea of what we should want and this idea of what we're looking for and this idea of who we should be and the life we want. And if the desires are coming from their mind, they're either fantasy projected onto reality or they're like a colonizing force trying to conform reality to our will versus like actually being present and listening to what is true and what's wanting to happen. And I think in all these sort of big overarching ways where we think about what we want, we lose again that tiny scale of just being in the moment and surrendering and listening to what wants to happen now. So when I was practicing that rejection, one of the stipulations is that it had to be honest. Like I had to reject the man in front of me for a real reason. So I had to say like, I'm bored. Or in true fifth house fashion, I had to say, this isn't enough about me. 
I was excited, but now this interaction isn't enough about me. <laughs> you know, that was like a real thing that came through. That's really how I felt. That was the truth about it. I was like, oh, I feel like we're just chatting like friends. I feel very dry. <laughs> this guy was shocked when I said that. He was like, you feel what? I'm like, dry. My pussy's dry. <laughs> it was true. It was true. We were just having a logical conversation about books. It wasn't doing anything for me. So I think it's like one that was liberating for me to get out of my little safe zone and my comfort bubble. Who knows? Yeah, Maybe for that guy, like, some changed other ways they got you out of your bubble. Like, um, the other one, okay, so desire coming from both, because desire, that is desire too. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be trapped in this conversation. My body wants to leave this interaction is also desire. And then the other one is I was trying to think about that feminine leading principle. I was just like, what do I want in this thing? I'd be talking to a guy, blah, blah, blah. Words are happening. And I would think, what do I want? Like looking at this guy, breathing into my pussy, feeling my heart, noticing the field. What do I want? I would be like, kiss me in the cheek. I like interrupted this guy mid-sentence. Kiss me in the cheek. You know, and I'd be like, I can't feel you. You need to give me a hug. And I'd be like, that was a shitty hug. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> I'll give you one more chance at a good connected yummy hug. <laughs> so that got me out those those two those two got me out of my comfort bubble. And it's crazy to me because actually just being honest. Just not masking was out of the comfort bubble. Just tuning in to reality and speaking it through me. So this may be, we've been talking about this in some ways, but what is game for women versus game for men? Maybe come back to me in six months because I'm still, I'm still okay, grooving I'm like, on am this. I doing this thing? Like, should I just be in the state with you? And I'm like going too into the... No, no, you're doing so good. You're doing so good. I mean, this is the big question that I have. I mean, it's some of the things you've been talking about seem like game to me. It's been a different kind of, but yeah, I think what it is is realizing, you know, my business actually taught me this too. I, for a while, I would wonder, like, I had this distorted experience where I would have clients or like students who are like, I've been listening to your podcast for a few years and like we have like a really great reading and I'm like, wow, I'm having like high value experiences at work. And then I go on a date and I feel like a dumb bitch. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Why is this happening that I'm having such a subpar romantic experience? Like, can I translate value from, you know, work into love? But something that I notice about my work life is that because I'm an entrepreneur, I'm always inventing things like, like, this is what I want to talk about with you all today. This is what we're going to talk about on the podcast. This is my take on the astrology. I'm doing this event. Let's go into the Akashic Records together. Like I'm always guiding experiences based on my inspiration. And I could feel really cringy about it, but I don't. I'm like, this is just what I do. But when it comes to guiding social experiences, like hosting a party or showing people the music I've been listening to or having an idea of what to do with someone, that actually feels strangely more vulnerable to me. And I've realized that in the same way that like it works for me in business or like people show up at events, you plan an event, people come. It's like, oh, there's something to do. That sounds fun. That sounds interesting. 
that like having a desire and inviting someone else into it is a form of experience creation that it's actually fascinating that people are interested in having those experiences and that if I'm hoarding that material to myself because I'm afraid of rejection or I feel embarrassed like part of it has just been like opening to like exactly what you shared where it's like what do I want right now and like really feeling that deeper and not the mental one not the colonized or not the compensatory one but like the real desire that there's something actually profoundly erotic to that and that people I think respond to that with fascination where it's like oh like something's happening same you know when you described earlier the woman going to see her friend who's going through a hard time and the light in her eyes it's like those moments where the woman in her desire becomes like this like organic portal into some divine bigger experience and what it's like to actually recognize as a feminine person that we have that kind of power and to actually just open into it and to receive being met there is like a form of ecstasy and we generate it we self-create it it's not about waiting to be saved it's like being in the frequency of it and inviting people into it totally and it's wild because you are the magic person in your business you know you I'm like you've been that for me you've been that for a bunch of people you're putting out this constant frequency of magic and other people you know can like take me to magic land Sabrina <laughs> yeah no and I'm, I'm shyer doing it at like a romantic or personal level like that same behavior but I'm noticing that that's what was needed all along yeah but actually I told you about this but like earlier um in my early 20s I devised like this whole plan to become like an interesting person in public like to create art in the public world to become worthy of some like some man who's like also very creative and interesting and dynamic and that my work my presence in the world would be like this ultimate mating call and along the way of course I got deeper and deeper into the actual service and the actual work but I still had this part of me that was like performing to the world of like thinking that my work in the world would be like a trade token for the romance I wanted and I just had this big awakening like of falling back of that need to be special that need to hide behind my creativity for that purpose and realize that there are actually different skills different pathways to the intimacy that I desire and it's not about being a peacock like it's not about being special and extraordinary in some way like it's actually just about connection in the moment it's much more low to the ground yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's in the soil it's in the soil it's in those tiny interactions it's in moment to moment it's in the now right that's where things happen it's right in the now that's where worlds change that's where miracles happen yeah it's interesting like part of me I think maybe I'll talk about it at more depth or something at some point but it's yeah that kind of like peacocking or like performing behavior in order like the stuff I was doing wasn't valueless it didn't negate what I was doing it's just that there was still a part of me that was seeking to be fed or validated and that has been freed yeah in some sense and that as soon as that got freed I've actually been having a much richer more fun free experience because I've stopped like gripping onto that need which does feel so fifth house totally to me 
And what's tricky about the fifth house, you've spoken to this before, is the fifth house archetype, I think, can create a false self that mimics the soul. So this false self performs the soul level desires, but it's like coming from that trauma place and it's carrying that vibration of needing the validation of constantly seeking for the love it's like a little kid who's performing with one eye on its parents like did you like it did you like it did you like it and it creates a lot and the thing about like dismantling it too is just that there's a deep underworld of pain behind it like it's like this deep underworld of pain and then this like shiny mask in front of it that's like look at all this and feeling like if I don't upkeep this shiny performance, if I dare I have to be mediocre, like I will die. Like if I don't get this attention and love and admiration, if I'm not special, if I'm not extraordinary, that is death, that is hell. And there's this fear. So there's like this grip onto the state of being magical. And if a person who has that complex running finds a way into being able to face that pain underneath it like the whole thing like you still actually end up get to be magical your soul gets to shine through because you touched the bottom instead of avoiding this deep cathartic underworld part um but i did have that fear throughout my 20s like i would be like working on my goals and i was like you can't stop me i'm not gonna rest if i become mediocre if i don't fucking win or succeed at this like i don't know what i'm gonna do Mm-hmm. You know, it was like that level of grip mm-hmm. and then just like the magic of letting it go. But I guess I needed it. Like that was what my development was up to or doing or whatnot. But it just started to become not true anymore and it had to go. Yeah. Yes. And also just realizing so much of all of my life has been a kind of mating dance. Like, all these things that I've done from that shiny, masky place, I think for me there is a belief if, like, someone sees the shiny thing, loves the shiny thing, saves the shiny thing, steals it off to magic land, then um, all will be well. And I think that was part of my, my gripping, too, is, like, I just worked, you know, so hard to make those feathers. I'd work so hard to make that beautiful dance and I just really wanted to shake it around and I really wanted someone to see it and to love it. And that was my hook. That was my hook into men. That was my hook into not connecting with my own frame, not feeling my own value, going into every room with this like wide-eyed open, save me, bass note. So I think just getting back to to what is game for women, I think in the same way, it contains a lot of the codes of our liberation because I think what it is is gonna be specifically different for every woman. I think we're all working on different things. For me, it 100% has to do with um, that program in my mind, like about the slut shame, that I can go through my own wormhole and live in the magical party where I'm an adult and can do whatever I want, which also means building resilience to withstand male judgment and male anger, which means also taking, like, learning the skills about being able to actually create my own sense of safety, which I think is about a nervous system, self-work and resilience. I think it's about, 
like actually being in touch with my own desires from that deeper place. It's about liberating my voice and my throat to just be able to be a free channel for what's happening in the moment. I think it's about getting out of that like sky god version of what I want and getting into that earth soil version of that biggest skill. I think the biggest skill moving forward is going to be that moment to moment what a, what is the voice of what wants to happen through me. I think more and more that's going to be the truth. And the other thing is you're like, why is this important to be in your own frame? I mean, what's happening in the world scene is so berserker mode cuckoo bananas. It's crazy. It's like the people running this movie seem to be running some kind of like horrendous death cult. And being, it's so easy to get swept up in that. Um, especially as they make like the means of survival more and more challenging. And so I feel like just being able to stay in our own frame is like personal growth. Yes. Magical anchoring on the planet. Yes. Revolutionary necessity. Yes. Pluto and Aquarius, baby. Wow. Like it's like, that's going to be more and more needed as things get more and more chaotic and as more and more shocks come through, like to be able to actually be holding, holding a frame and not being in the group think. Yeah. Brilliant. And all the seeds of all those other possible realities of all those other movies are right there close to the ground in the soil. And I think what obscures them most is where we get hooked, our own insecurities, our own nervous system dysregulation, which for a lot of people is around emotional and sexual connection because that's precisely where we have the most desires is around that sexual social identity, is around our sexual social dreams, which also makes us most vulnerable there, which also means working there has like the such profound potency and power. It's like if you can transcend your rejection sensitivity there, if you can transcend like the fear of whatever lives for you there, then you're fucking golden. Then you're so powerful. Then you're so magic. Mic drop. I don't even know where to go from here. (laughs) That might be like, we might have just climbed the mountain peak. I think that's a good spot. (laughs) Yeah. So for those of uh, everyone listening, this has been amazing. I have a feeling this conversation has been really catalytic for the listeners. Um, how can people find you and connect with you? What do you want to share with us in terms of offerings, ways to work with you? Yeah, you can find me on my website, mariahkarina.com. We'll link that in the notes. More to come. I've been in a little underworld journey, re- un- unprogramming some of my fifth house masks, and I'm hoping to reemerge from the true soil of surrendered beingness. And I also really recommend Owen Cook, his company, it used to be called Real Social Dynamics because they were mapping fucking real social dynamics. I think now it's called like Self Mastery Co or something like that. Amazing YouTube videos. And this really is the year, 2024. This is the last year that he's gonna be doing pickup at all. Last year, he's gonna be doing free, free events all over the world or all over the country. Last year, he's going to be doing boot camps. If you want to go, now's the time. I highly recommend it. Thank you so much, Mariah. Thank you so much, Sabrina. Thanks.